Welcome, and thank you for listening to Waypoint Community Church Podcasts. We hope you enjoy. We're going to come back to that song in just a minute. My name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors here. I do some of the teaching. I'm glad you're here at Waypoint. We're starting a new series this morning, and I want to start with a story that helps you understand, I think, the value of why we're doing this series and the way we're going to do it. Uh, some of you know this if you've been around a while. You've heard this. Um, others, this is new information too. But I was raised on a Christian youth camp. From ages 3 to 20, that was my life. Even when I went away from college, I would come back and I would be a counselor. And you would think, um, because of the experiences that I would have there, that I would tell a whole lot more stories from that time, except there's one small problem. I don't remember most of that time. I, I don't know whether it's my personality or just my brain or whatever, but I tend to look forward and the stuff behind me I forget pretty quickly. My wife has vivid memories of age three where she can recall sights, sounds, and smells. Age three never happened for me in my brain. I don't remember a thing. It's because I'm old. All of that is true. And and here's the thing. So uh, I've looked back, and some stuff I could recall. Like some of it, it's general ideas. And some of it I've realized I recall because I've seen a photograph. So there's evidence that something happened. And what I remember is the photo. But the one thing, uh, actually the handful of things that I do remember were significant. Uh, significant to my life or they were um, just significant moments that kind of got burned and scarred in there. I don't think I'll ever forget them. I want to tell you about one of those. Uh, Every year, uh, we would get a new batch of counselors that would come in one week before all the kids would arrive. We would usually have 1,000 kids a year, and so you had to make sure the counselors were up to speed. You did all kinds of training, but the other thing that we were trying to do is make sure that we gelled as a team, that we were good with each other. And so we tried a lot of different stuff, and this year, I don't know, it was 18, 19, 20, it was in the range, I can't remember that. Um, But Ralph had this idea, he was a program director, that he would take us to the other side of the mountain. These are real mountains where I grew up. So he would take us to the other side of the mountain, uh, drop us off on a dirt road, and then have a simulated accident where he would assign, you're blind, you can't walk, you get the idea. He just kind of passes those out. And then he would look at the group and say, the camps in that direction through the woods will expect to see you all back there in two hours. Bye. It was awesome. We actually had a really good time doing it. We learned a lot. It was challenging. What we didn't realize is that we came really close to the real thing on the way there. On the way there, we piled 30 to 40 um, staff members on a a hay bale wagon. It it was kind of a wagon just like this. It had sides. We had a kicker baler at the time. And so there were people sitting on the ground. There were people standing, holding on the railing, that sort of thing. And uh, we had to go down the back hill Uh, around the side and then back up. And that back hill was over a half a mile long with a pretty deep, um, steep descent. And uh, a third of the way down that hill, the tractor popped out of gear. Uh, You know what um, that means, but if you've ever put your car in a low gear and you've driven, it kind of holds you back. 
Well, that's what this tractor was doing for us. That gear was allowing us to kind of go down the hill. And this is the exact tractor. It was Alice Chalmers 180 uh, that we were on. And, um, and you can see, the, go to the next slide. I kind of circled uh, where the gear shifter is. Can you go to the next slide? That is the next. Oh, I can't even see it. Oh, there it is. Yes, the, the age affects sight too. Deal with it. You can see that black box right there? Right in the middle of that, there's a little handle that comes down, it goes like this. That's the part that, that popped out of gear. And Dan was holding it with his hand because we had had some experiences recently with it where he had done that. And so he thought, this could happen, so I'm gonna kinda hold it in gear. But as soon as it popped out, the tractor started free rolling. And... Um, and we had a lot of hill left to go. There was a lot of weight pushing us down that hill on the backside of it, and we're picking up speed. And you're thinking, why doesn't he just jam on the brakes? He's trying to make sure the brakes don't fail. He's working the brakes, but they're already smelling. Like, there's, we've got heat issues there, and we've picked up enough speed that the wagon is starting to do this behind the tractor. Um, a lot of the people on the wagon thought it was an amusement ride that had just begun. And I, I had seen what had happened. I saw the look on Dan's face, and I knew there was nothing amusing about what was happening here. Ralph was on the wagon. He figured it out, and he had everybody sit down immediately. I decided to, I was sitting on the fender of that tractor um, next to my friend, and I decided two hands probably made the most sense. So I grabbed on with two hands, but then it kind of dawned on me. I mean, we're getting jerked around quite a bit. The wagon's moving the tractor. It's, um, he's really struggling with this. And I realized um, if, a, if a car comes up the road, we're in trouble because we're taking up the whole road right now, um, moving back and forth. If a, a tire blows or if we can't get this under control a little bit more, that wagon is going to go on its side and we're going to drag that wagon and all of those people until we can stop. And then the thought crosses my mind, I wonder if when the wagon flips over, if it'll have enough torque to flip the tractor too. And depending on which side it would flip, the best case scenario for me would be horribly injured. That's the best case. And so we're, we're holding on. Wagon's going like this. Brakes are smelling. Everybody's wondering if we're going to make it. There was a part in the hill where it kind of it leveled out a little bit. And it was a false sense of hope because the last part was a sharper drop of the whole hill. And we all knew we had to come to that. And so we waited and we waited and we finally got to the bottom. Things just going crazy. And the um, start to go up. Wagon weight starts pulling against the tractor and we can finally slow down. And, you know, those of us who were in the know were all like, yeah, it was cool. It was okay. It wasn't. Like, we knew it. It was close. Now, when my dad found out um, about this, he was the one who took care of all this equipment. He was not so happy. And you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just fix it? Why wasn't the thing? Because every year, our maintenance shed turned into our chapel. It was already converted. We weren't going back. Uh, and, and there was no place to fix this sort of thing. But it turned out it wouldn't have mattered because we could have done three simple things. Any one of them, in fact, and we wouldn't have had the problem. He said, listen, it doesn't pop out in every gear. 
You chose the one that had the problem. If you would have put it in the lowest gear, you could have crept down the back hill. Yeah, it would have taken forever, but you could have done it safely. It would have been no big deal. He said the other problem, you, you put it in that gear, but then you went too fast. And if you would have just gone slower, if you would have worked a break at the top and gone slower down the hill, in that gear, you would have been fine. And he said, the third thing you could have done, he said, if you know you're going to have trouble, he goes, holding it with your hand is not enough. You stand on that thing. Like, you get up and you stand on it and you put your whole body weight on it so that nothing would happen. He goes, listen, all of those things could have been done. And if you would have done any one of them, you could have avoided all kinds of headaches and you wouldn't have flirted with a wreck. Well, um, our culture actually has a way to describe doing something small that helps you avoid headaches and wrecks. It's, it's these two words right here, life hacks. It's the idea that if you can figure out a way to do something small that could save you headaches or a wreck, you probably should do it, and people share these things with each other. Like, for instance, have you ever wondered um, what you could do to stop the paint on the side of the can from going and getting on the floor? Well, here's an idea. Put a big rubber band around the center of it, and you swipe on it, and it's like, wow, that's a life hack. It's a simple little thing that could save you headaches or a wreck that you might have to clean up. Well, this whole idea got me thinking. I think the scriptures are full of small tidbits of wisdom that God has shared with us that if we would just pay attention to the smallest things, now I'm not gonna say they're easy, but, if, but they're small, they're not impossible for us to do. And if we would do those things, the chances are that we could avoid headaches and wrecks in our lives. And so for the next few weeks, we're gonna pick up some pretty big topics. Uh, we're gonna start with relationships. This is the first week we're going to talk about. And we're going to look at, you know, there are things inside relationships where things get messy. And I don't know what you think of when I say relationship. Maybe you think of somebody that you're dating or somebody that you're married to. I, it's broader than that. Because these tidbits of wisdom that God gives, that he provides in the scriptures for us, actually apply across the board to all relationships. All no matter where you're at, they have the ability to help you. So I hope as we start to get in this, that you'll understand that if you're trying to relate, connect, work with, engage people, that the wisdom that God gives as we talk through these things could be used anywhere and everywhere. And yes, they are valuable if you're dating or if you're married, but they're, they're valuable everywhere, okay? So that's where we're going. I'm hoping to give you Little bits of wisdom that if you, just did, if you just did this small thing, it could save you from headaches and wrecks in your life. Okay, so I want to start with a little um, piece of wisdom that's found in James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's, this would be good to know. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And our first thought is, no, they come from that stinker who's giving me a hard time, right? They come from that other person who said that or did that or thought that sort of thing and then responded on it. And I had to 
deal with the garbage that they put in my life. That's where quarrels and stuff come from. But um, God would have us step back and say, listen, if you value the relationship, if you want to find a way to deal with the relationships in your life that remove quarrels and fights, the place you're going to have to start is with your internal desires. Maybe another way to say this is expectations. We all have expectations. We have expectations of how somebody should treat us, how I should feel based on what you do. We have these things that are in place. And sometimes the expectation that we have is dead on right. You have every right to have that expectation. But sometimes the expectations that we carry, they're a little out there. They're um, extreme, or it's possible that the reason you have that expectation is because your family is the only one who ever did it that way, and it's normal for you. You've only ever seen it that way, but when somebody's relating to you and they're not doing it the way that you've always expected it, it causes us frustrations. We We get pretty upset about why they're doing it, when they're doing it, and here's the problem. Expectations come with a couple different issues. One is that we assume that everybody else understands what we expect and should get in line with it. Because it's the way you've always seen it. It's the way you've always done it. It's the way you've always thought about it. It just makes sense. Now listen, there are some big things that are just common sense. Everybody knows. But most of the things that we argue about in relationships, most of the tension that we feel and and struggle with is because you have an expectation and you've assumed that the other person understands it. And that is a dangerous thing to do. God says, listen, the reason you're wrestling with this is because you've got a desire in your heart. And that desire has gone unfulfilled. And because it's gone unfulfilled and you thought they should understand it, you thought they should know it, you end up feeling, well, any number of things. Hurt, not loved, not cared for, frustrated, anger. Because you assumed they would get it. And they can't because they can't read your mind. And they were They were raised or they went through a different set of experiences that caused them to think differently than you do. And what's happening is you have these expectations that you haven't found and revealed to them. And if you don't reveal your expectation to the other person, there's no way to have a conversation about whether that's legitimate or whether that's messed up. See, it's one thing when you say, this is my expectation, and the person goes, oh, okay, I didn't understand that. I can find a way to start dealing with that. But they also might say to you, oh, are you kidding? That's, I don't know if I can meet that. I, I, I think you're going to have to meet me halfway. And a conversation starts. But here's the problem with expectations. We have these desires in us. We assume everybody gets it. They don't. And we don't want to talk about them. I don't know how many uh, relational difficulties that I've run into with people where they can't give voice to their expectation. 
They, um, they think, I shouldn't have to. You should already understand it. Or, um, why don't you already kind of have, have this figured out? I told you 18 times, and you still haven't gotten this resolved. Well, you've never communicated it in terms of expectation. And so what happens is that we're afraid sometimes also to reveal what we expect. What if I tell them I expect this, and they say they can't do it? Now I look like a fool. I'm embarrassed by all of this. And because we have all of these things working against us, we have all kinds of relational problems that are all based on us having desires that go unmet, that we feel frustrated by, angry by. But we've never said them out loud. We've never communicated them with each other. And we've never had a genuine conversation to see if there should be some compromise that happens there. Can I, can I just, here's the hack. It's really simple. You need to find, reveal, and discuss your expectations. You need to find, reveal, and discuss your expectations. And I know how risky that can be. I get it. But if you want to avoid some headaches and some wrecks with your life, you'll find a way to start communicating this stuff with the people that you relate to, with the people that you work with, with the people that you're on teams with, with the person that you're married to or that you're dating. If they don't know what you expect, it's hard for them to actually meet that expectation. And, and just from um, a position where I, I run into a lot of people who have relational like trouble and turbulence, so much of it comes back to this. You had a desire. You never communicated that with your kid. You never communicated that with the person you work for. You never communicated that. And now all, the, all that's happened is the relationship is full of difficulty and you have headaches and sometimes wrecks. And you could avoid it if you'd be willing to listen to James the desire within you is where the problem is starting and you have to find a way to address it there first, okay? Now, how you address it is important too. There's another little hack. And uh, I, I kind of even don't want to share this one because um, when I do, this would be something my wife would go, you should practice what you preach. Wow, that sounded just like her too. Did you hear that? I, that was a dead-on ringer. Um, I know this is a difficult one for me. I know this is. But it doesn't make it not true. This is Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. We started with a song at the top of this service about how we'd like to find a way to make each other happier. I think that's a genuine desire that we have in the relationships that we have. We wanna see that other person happier. What happens then when we enter into each other's lives? Sometimes the opposite seems to be what we deliver. And often that happens because there's this odd thing that goes on with the people that you're closest to or that you know the best, the people that you're developing a relationship with. Sometimes you feel the most comfortable saying and doing things to them that you would never say or do to anybody else. You say um, critical things because they understand you. They'll love you. They'll accept what you have to say. But what you haven't figured out 
is that when you deliver words that are critical into each other's lives, when you take on a tone of defensiveness, when you act with sarcasm or biting humor towards each other to get your point across, all you're doing is you're creating a sense of anxiety in the other person. And the scripture says it's like a weight. I, I, I don't know if you realize how powerful the words are that you deliver into each other's lives. They have the ability to either weigh down that person or to cheer them. And the scripture says one of the things that you could do to cheer them is to say it kindly. It didn't say that you can't say difficult things. You can say hard things to each other. But saying it kindly is where the payoff is. Finding a way to say, oh, I know what I'm about to say, but I've got to choose the right tone. I've got to choose the right attitude. I've got to choose the right way to do this so that it's kind. Why? Because I could actually cheer this person. I could make them happier by telling them what's true in a kind way. But often we opt. We just opt to shoot from the hip. And we decide we'll clean it up later because we can clean it up later with them, right? We're close to them, it's okay. I can damage them and it'll be all right. Here's the, here's the hack. Listen, if you're about to say something and it's not kind, don't. Just dial it back. Dial it back until you can come up with a different attitude, until you can come up with something that's not sarcastic, until you can come up with something that allows those words to be kind, truthful but kind, don't say it. Because if you can find a way to say the kind, difficult things to each other's lives, you'll avoid all kinds of headaches in your life and you'll avoid some possible wrecks. And that's what we're trying to help you to figure out to do. Kindness in our choices to work with each other. Uh, we were talking about these different relational life hacks and uh, Nick had some experiences recently in his life where he was like, man, I think I've had an experience that I think I could talk about. And so I'm gonna ask him to come up and talk about a relational life hack that he recently experienced. Why don't you give a hand and um, Nick a hand. Well, good morning. Um, when I'm reading through the scriptures, what I haven't found is a promise of an easy, pain-free, or smooth life. What I do see are a lot of examples of turmoil and toil in people's lives, pain and suffering, but promises from God that he'll carry you through those things. But nowhere does it say that your life is going to be a walk in the park or things will be easy. In fact, we know that life is really hard. And maybe some of you have faced some different sufferings or pains, and maybe you faced them recently. I'm not sure. Um, for my wife and I, we did. About a month ago, we were sitting at the Electric Brew in Goshen, and she got a phone call about 7 o'clock at night that her uh, father had a massive heart attack and had passed away. And so from that point to today still, we're trying to figure out what's next, what do we do, how do we keep going forward, what does life look like with him not earthly here with us, and, and what do we need to do to honor him and, and serve him well even after passing. And so it's been a really hard challenge for us. But there's been something that has carried us through, and I believe it's, it's from the Holy Spirit, 
And it's one of these life hacks, and it has to do with relationships. It's been those seemingly insignificant text messages from people like you that say, hey, we're thinking about you. Hey, we're praying for you. Do, do you guys need a dinner tonight? We'd love to come over. Or, or flowers from, from a person in the small group that we're in. All of those little things that may not seem like they're a whole lot in the moment when someone is suffering go so long. And, and what I've noticed about relationships is that we want deep, meaningful relationships right now. But it, it takes a lot of work to get those relationships. And you have to work hard at that. And as you work hard at those relationships, you start to realize that the people that you love and care for go through hard times. And when they go through hard times, you wanna show care and love for them. And the truth is, you don't do it for this reason, but when your life is becoming a headache and a wreck, it is those messages that the Holy Spirit uses to impact you, to keep you motivated to keep going every day, to keep moving forward. God has put a lot of people in your path that love you and care about you because you've showed them love and care and you've built a strong relationship. So my simple life hack is for you to send that simple text to somebody that doesn't really seem like it means anything. Make sure that if you're walking through the grocery store and you see somebody that looks like they're hurting and the Lord has put them on your heart, smile at them, say hi. Do the little things in life because they will go further than you will ever know. And when life hits the fan for you and your family, It'll be those little things that God will use to keep you moving forward. Thank you. I think sometimes we have this idea that random acts of kindness are for strangers. It'd be pretty incredible if we had random acts of kindness for the people that were close to us too. The, the last hack, I, I'm hoping um, that you'll go from here thinking about, there's a story in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus goes to visit Mary and Martha. It's in Luke chapter 10. And Martha, being the firstborn, uh, apparently that's what I think, um, is out to get everything done perfectly for Jesus' visit. She's hustling, she's bustling, she's getting it done. And she gets frustrated because her sister Mary finds herself sitting at the feet of Jesus. And in the middle of verse 40, Martha's had it, and she involves, she involves Jesus in this. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. This is a loaded question. She's defined what caring is. If you care for me, you'll tell my sister to get to work. If you don't care for me, you'll side with her. Jesus is in a little bit of a pickle here, but he doesn't take that bait. He, he deals with what's going on. Um, in Martha's heart. And in verse 41 and 42, he says, Martha, Martha, Martha. I always think of it, Marsha, 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 right? He's like, Marsha, 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 just calm down. You are worried and upset about many things, but indeed, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken from her. Um, if you notice, uh, Jesus didn't say what Martha was doing was unimportant. 
In fact, uh, he probably would have identified it all as being good. But he said there was something that was better. Can I just tell you um, that when I examine some of the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life, I can look back on um, some times uh, where things were happening to my kids that have greatly shaped their, their adult lives right now. That I was doing good things and not better things. Like I had made good choices. Nobody would have argued with that. But I wasn't choosing what was better. And we were reminded again this week about how fragile and how quick life can come to an end. And look, we see it in the scriptures. Distractions 2,000 years ago. Martha had them. They held her attention. They could have kept her busy going around the house, doing stuff. But there were some better choices for the relationships. And I would tell you, in our world right now, we have more distractions at our hand than have ever been available for mankind in history. And it is causing at times for us to choose good things over better things. It's been difficult for us to find time for the relationships that matter in our lives, for us to kind of put everything out and for have like meaningful conversation. And I'm gonna tell you right now, texting does not count. That is not a conversation. Where you're looking at somebody in the eye and you have time for them. It's becoming less and less of a thing that we're doing in our culture. And I just wanna warn you, I think we're, we're accepting all kinds of good things and we're not paying attention to what's better. I was just reminded in the last two weeks, uh, Tracy and I have started some stuff that's got me really busy. And so I've been busy at home, busy at work, busy, busy, busy. And she kind of took me aside and said, listen, I still expect your attention. I still kind of need that. And the light went off. Yeah, that's right. Because all this other stuff is good. But I, I need to choose what's better and, and the question I have for you is, how are you doing with that? Are you choosing what's better, or are you filling up your life with all kinds of good things? Nobody would argue with what you're doing, that it's valuable and important. But have you given your time to the relationships that matter? See, Mary had figured that out. And she had figured out that the relationship with Jesus mattered. And can I just suggest to you that sometimes the good things that we do in our lives also bleed us away from our connection with God. And in the process of that, we would explain to God, look at all the good things I'm doing. And he would say, yes, but there's better. And I want you to choose what's better. It's a, it's a simple little hack. But it takes you some time to sit and to think Am I choosing what's good or is there something better that I need to be giving my time to? And a choice like that will save your life from headaches. It could save you from actually wrecking some things. I hope you'll go and think about that as you go today. Can I pray with you real quick? God, we've looked at a bunch of different things that happen inside relationships. We've looked at expectations that we hold. And God, I ask that you would give us the courage to find a way to start 
having conversations about those things so they don't, they don't mess up our relationships. Ask that you would give us wisdom as we deliver words into each other's lives that they would have a tone of kindness to them, that it would honor you by the way we speak, and that instead of weighing each other down, we would be the people who heal by the words we use. God, I, I love the reminder of these random acts of kindness that we could do for the people who we're in relationship to. They don't have to be strangers. These could be people that we know, that we choose to grow that relationship by doing small things of love for them. And God, I ask that you would um, allow us to process whether we're choosing good or whether there's some better things that we could be doing and using our time with. God, you've given us relationships on purpose. They're valuable. You, we were meant to know each other. And, and yet we live in a culture that has that as a value, but it seems that the stuff that's piling up in our lives is actually pulling us away from the very thing that we were meant for. So will you help us to see the truth and to choose better and not good? We ask for your, we ask for your help as we try to take these pieces of wisdom and place them in our life. God, uh, you love us. It's why you gave us this stuff. You want to find us uh, opportunities to be happier and to make each other happier. But instead, uh, we often opt for the opposite. So help us choose your wisdom that saves us from headaches and wrecks. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you're able to experience what's happening here at Waypoint Community Church through our podcasts. Our prayer is that these resources are a blessing to you. Please be sure to catch us again next time.